Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I am a feminist, but we're back, Oxford. We're back and we're live. And I'm a feminist, but just this morning, I said to Tom Selinski, my husband, oh, well, are you going to man that table? And he said, uh, do feminists say man? Do they say man the stall? Do they say man the table? Do they say man the stall? Do they say that? Do feminists say that? I said, I'm having a day off, all right? For fuck's sake. Hello. I might have forgotten how to use a microphone as well. I went a bit close at first, didn't I? Was it a bit scary when I went, I'm a feminist? But it was like, there were some men who don't know what they're at who were like, oh, shit. I'm a feminist, but... I do all the childcare. But the reason I do all the childcare is that it makes me the favourite. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... A man asked me out the other day, and I didn't really like him, but I thought, I can get a sandwich out of this. <laughs> 
To be fair, Celia A.B. has recently given up her day job to just do comedy, so I think that's perfectly acceptable. Exactly. I mean, an... make, make the patriarchy pay for lunch. That's what I say, my friend. I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... Uh, yes, uh, but I'm moving house next week and I want my movers to be men. Uh, not because I think they're stronger or better at moving things, but because my apartment is on the 19th floor. And if I'm going to inflict that pain upon anyone, I want it to be men. <laughs> I am a feminist, but... I have had to have literally three separate men explain the plot of The Matrix to me. <laughs> Can you explain it to me? <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... Um, I've run out of excuses for why I can't join the local women's rounders team. <laughs> but I think I would literally rather become a fucking nun. Oh! No offence to if there's any nuns in. Or rounders players. Or nun rounders playing nuns. That's my feminist, but... Please email gracepetrie at complaints.com. <laughs> Are we ready to start the show? Yeah! Then give it up for the incredible Athena Kablenu, Celia A.B., Sarah Keyworth, Molly Naylor, and Grace Petrie. All incredible women we're going to be seeing a lot more of tonight. Plus some local Oxford feminists telling it like it is. Hello, I'm Deborah Francis-White. You must be the audience. It's been a while. It's been a while, Oxford. We've just started coming back out yet, and we, we didn't know if the audience would come out. Um, I mean, this is, it's partly, you know, my audience are very socially conscious people. Um, so Jimmy Carr could fill a stadium with cunts. And I, they don't care. They don't care. We're we all going, should we? But should we? But should we? But should we? But, we've, you know, we've got to come out at some point. So thank you for coming out tonight and being with us here for some feminism. Yeah! some comedy and some music some deep dive conversation and some ludicrous banter um, I think I feel like the live tour show which is all a bit more whistles and bells than the regular podcast even when it's live I've started to describe it to journalists as um, it's sort of like Michael McIntyre his road show uh, plus Jules Holland's later plus Graham Norton. But imagine those three white men were women and invited women to play. Yeah. It's exactly like that. Uh, so, first of all, thank you for coming out. I just want to do a little bit of a, um, a Hello Oxford. Uh, and now, I think in university towns last time, some people complained because I was too gown and not enough town. Like, I sort of was talking to the audience as if... With the, the slight uni bent, I was talking to the audience through a gown. Just because I've worn this cape, by the way. What this isn't, what this isn't is, uh, is me uh, pitching for an honorary doctorate um, in fabulousness. <laughs> Doctor of Fabulous. Look, it says guilty feminist on the back. It's not me pitching for that, but if you wanted to give me one, Brooks, um, I would take it. No, 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 no. Listen. I'd be thrilled to get an honorary doctor from Brooks. There's no fucking way I'm getting one from Oxford. They know what I was like when I was here. Like, no, you, you had your shot. You, you did all the plays and the punting and you forgot to read the books. So uh, Brooks just doesn't know how lazy I am. Uh, just give us a cheer if you're from Brooks. Give us a cheer if you're at the University of. 
give us a cheer of your town. So there's more town than gown. Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting, because I would have thought lots of students would be feminists, but no, they're just... Or maybe they're too feminist and they're like, I'm not a guilty feminist. I'm a very hard-working, academic feminist. I'm in the library now reading about the third wave and its implications for the fourth wave and the implications of normality within the future of fifth wave if normality can be said to be... Putting aside the implications of normality, am I getting this right? I haven't done it for a long time. I left Oxford in the year 2000, which apparently... Don't say wow. Like that. That's not very feminist. Oh, my God. Okay. Should I, should I claim it's 2010? Would that, would that maybe seem more accessible to you? I was terribly young. I was a child. I was very advanced. I came to Oxford when I was eight. Does that help? You were eight. I was eight in 2000. You were eight in the year 2000? Okay, well, the exits are there and there, so... No, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled and delighted because it means that we're feminists across the divide. There was nothing like this when I was at university. It was all... It was all because it was, you know, it was the late 90s when I came up. It was all girl power and ladak culture. Um, it, what we thought was feminism was like kicking your leg up really high in a Union Jack miniskirt and showing your pants to prove to the boys that you didn't care if they looked. That was the full feminism then. That was it. That was the whole thing. But then you could drink, you, try and, you, you were meant to, I never did this part, uh, drink a pint as fast as a man to demonstrate that women were as good as men. And then you would be like, yeah, and why don't you just shag me and never call me because I don't care because I'm cool and fun. Good times, excellent times, great times. I was desperate for feminism. I was thirstily, I was drinking, looking, I was in a desert, I was in a desert looking for it. And uh, so, I'm, so I'm so thrilled now when I come back to Oxford, there's all these young women here. And also, people of Oxford, um, if you were living, was anyone here living in here in the year 2000? Just give us a cheer. Yes, okay, I'm sorry if I was disrespectful in any way uh, and didn't didn't do anything, didn't do, didn't, didn't do something or everything right. Um, so just give us a cheer if you think you've done something feminist in the last two years. Any feminist act, just give us a cheer. Okay, someone there who's very sure. I'm nervous to ask you because I'll tell you why. I asked this in London recently. I said, has anyone got an act of feminism they could share? And uh, a woman put her hand up and said, yes, I've just taken the Met Police to court. And I had to raise an enormous amount of money to do it. Uh, but I've taken Cressida Dick and the Met Police to court. And now we've won. And uh, it, we've demonstrated that we should have been able to have a vigil. And I was like, that's... Yes. Excellent. Reclaim these streets. It was Jamie Klingler. They're coming on the show in Bath to tell us how they did it. But I will be honest... Um, it made no one else put their hand up afterwards. It really set the bar far too high. Like, it was a lovely thing to hear. And well done, Jamie Klingland. Well done, New Claimly Streets. But other people who were going, oh, I started a feminist book club, were going, no, I didn't do anything at all. I just... Everyone just looked at the floor. So I would like to start off with a more junior act of feminism, if that's okay. So we're looking for the lo- lowliest act of feminism possible. Uh, or, or at least one quite... Uh, just, just keep the bar low. I will come to you, the person that went, woo, because I feel like you've got one of those Jamie Klingler ones that's going to put people off. So I'm going to come to you later. Have you got one? Yes? Yeah. What's, um, what's your name? I'm Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Hi. Um, I slapped a guy who um, sexually assaulted me today. 
You slapped a man who sexually assaulted you in the pub. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, did you go and find him to do that? Yeah. Or you I did? Think, I talked to him and he was like, no, it's fine. It's fine to like, slap someone's ass. And I was like, no, it's not. Like, I know my rights. Oh, he did it to you in the pub today? Yeah. Oh, this wasn't a long hunt <laughs> for a man who was... I thought it sounded like she man had slapped her ass no. like five years ago and just there were like little post-it notes on her wall and there were bits of string and then she finally tracked him down went in knocked him to the floor and he was like what the fuck is going on and you're like you didn't do it immediately he was a Morris dancer this story does get better who's playing you in the movie this is fantastic stuff Sorry, sorry, sorry. You're going to need to go a lot more slowly. There's just far too many interesting words being said in a row. So you're at a ceremony for people who'd been fostering for 60 years, fostering children. Yeah, they were getting an MBE. They were getting an MBE. They were being awarded by Her Majesty or similar. No, that bit's dodgy. Like, fine. Okay, you don't like the bit of the British Empire part. So we don't like the British Empire part, but... um, can you imagine, like, if they... It'd be great if they changed the name of that award, because I do want people recognised. There's no point saying we want more diversity and representation and then going, oh, no, only posh white men can have it. So let's, let's, let's ask if we can change the name to the British Empire. We'll do that now. But for right now, let's just rest that over here and say there were people who've been fostering for 60 years, an extraordinary thing, looking after children. They were getting an MBE. Then you go to the pub to celebrate that. Yeah, so, no, the ceremony was at the pub. And the ceremony was at the pub? <laughs> Standards have gone down in Britain. I, I think, I really do think, I really do think, what, so what? Like, did Prince Charles come to the pub and just go, oh, fuck it. Oh. Who did it? Who did it? Who MBE'd them? I don't know. I was there by, kind of by accident with my girlfriend who fosters. And oh. then, like, we were like, oh, my God, these people, blah, blah, blah. And we talked to them. Then these fucking Morris dancers came out to perform. Okay, any Morris dancers in, we need some inclusive language. These, these Morris dancers, we respect the Morris dancing, just not their behaviour on this occasion. It, to be fair, we cannot make any assumptions about Morris dancers. It's a sample of one. Continue. Yeah, and then, right, and he, like, it was just like old, he was just an old, crusty white dude, right? And he had this inflated, he had this inflated pig bladder. Okay, now, at this point, we are suspecting you're making it up. I'm not, I'm kidding. You clearly couldn't be making up. It's too old. You've got, oh, photographic evidence. Can we get it on our screen? I don't know. Um, I don't, can we get it on our screen? If we email it to you, tech chaps? No, then no one's, no one's looking very enthusiastic about that. But could somebody verify? Yeah, yeah. yeah, excellent. I believe you. I really do believe you. That was a joke. I believe women. Yeah, and... I, I've got... I just, that was a joke. It was just more like, wow, this is so incredible. He had, so the Morris dancer had a blow up pig's bladder. Yeah, and he smacked me round the arse. Look, here and, it is, with the pig's bladder. Oh, with, in the, in the drawing room with the pig's bladder. Okay. Oh my God, there he is. He has got, no, she's not, she's 100% on the money. This Morris dancer has a blow up pig's bladder. And then he slapped you. And then the, some other guy. On the, on the, the, on the bottom. Yeah. The fool. Oh, so so what? Sexual harassment slash is a moral first dancing tradition. This is. I think this is technically assault. Actually, you can't hit someone, especially on it. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, you can't do that without consent. And then my rights. I used to work with sexual violence. Like this is not okay. And he was like, no, it's just part of the dance. And all these 
No, it's just part of the dance. No, you were not part of the dance. No, Catherine. She was following her girlfriend's foster kid and she was not part of the dance. I'm repeating this just because people at home are going to want to know what's going on and they're not going to be, you're not amplified. You'll be like, what? can't do that. You've assaulted me. You're a pervert. It's fine. He said it's fine. Like it. Just go away if you don't yeah. like it. And then, and then I said, okay, well, would you like me to slap you then? Would then you like that? Catherine said, would you like me to slap you then? And, and, then, he, and then he turned around. Then he turned around. He said, then go on then, slap me on the cheek. And, and you did. I, I think he was like trying to call my bluff. He was trying to call Catherine's bluff. He did not understand the kind of feminist she was. He had absolutely, oh, absolutely underestimated this woman. Hobbled, hobbled up to him. She's saying, I hobbled up to him because I've got a broken fucking ankle. This is also now for the people in the dress circle, just to be clear. Go on. And then smacked him around the face. So hard his glasses came off. Now, what's interesting about that is he did consent. In fact, he invited her and consented. And how did he respond? He walked away in shame, my friends. Okay. I'll be honest. I'm getting a light from the wings, which means I don't have time for a second feminist story. So I'm going to pick yours up. Who was the other person who went, woo, immediately? Have you got one? Yeah. Okay, when I come back, I'm going to pick yours up. Okay, what's your name? B. B. B like the mother B. My name means B. Deborah means B in Hebrew. Yes. Oh, my God. This is incredible. Um, uh, okay, I've got to get off this stage. We've just very quickly before I do, is Shona from Harris Manchester College in? Yay! Um, hello, uh, I got your books and I've signed them um, backstage. I used to go to Harris Manchester College, so these are my alumni. Or bitches. Yeah. <laughs> like what Americans would call, I guess, sorority sister type feel. So I've not met you before, but I'm coming to your college to do a general chat. Um, in this cape and hoping while I'm there someone on- gives me an honorary something uh, so I'll sign those books for you do you want me to say is the hardback one for the library yeah. great I'll write something Harris Manchester students a crying emoji okay <laughs> alright alright are you ready for your first comedian tonight yeah. then put your hands together Oxford yeah. and make incredible whirring noises for the wonderful Athena Kaplanyo! <laughs> they moved me, Deborah. They moved you. How's it going? How's it going, Oxford? Yeah. I know I'm in Oxford. Because <laughs> I heard a story and I never heard the word slap so much in my life. No, 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 slap, no, 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 slap, no, 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 slap. So I'm definitely in Oxford, right? Because if this was like Kent, it would have been uppercuts, innit? It would have been <laughs> teaching my lesson, but it's a ni- nice story. It's good. <laughs> nice to be here. Let's see who we've got in the room. Um, give me a cheer if you're working class. Yeah, Deborah, who let them in? <laughs> Deborah, no, I, I only perform to people who shop at Lidl ironically. <laughs> what is the. <laughs> I don't want you weekly shoppers. Clogging up this tiniest packing area you'll ever see. That's out. That's outrageous, man. I want people in my audience who go to Lidl, right, and put it on Instagram. 
You know them people, right? <laughs> they do it on Instagram lives. They walk down the aisle and they go, oh my gosh, oh my God, it's Nutella. But it's not Nutella, it's chocolate spread. <laughs> oh, you're in now, working class people. I hope you get the jokes. Um, just, just keep up. <laughs> A lot of people are saying that uh, the white working class in this country should be allies with black people in the race struggle. What do you think about that? Yeah? Do you want to know what I think? Uh. <laughs> Can't we have my jello? <laughs> no, it's, just... <laughs> it's, just... it's just activism makes me hungry. It's... I think she'd give a better argument. There's no working class people in Parliament. What's Dave gonna do? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's... <laughs> oh, I don't know. Like, I just feel like, you know, Nigella, she's a pioneer. Do you know what I mean? Like, she once made a mitza. <laughs> do you know what a mitza is? It's, I'll tell you what it is if you don't know. She's, this is, she's a pioneer. It's a pizza, but instead of a dough base, it's the base of beef mints. It makes you proud to be British, doesn't it? Could you imagine getting that in your delivery room? <laughs> it doesn't stand a chance, does it? It was a meat, so she went on BBC Two and made a meat, And it was delicious because she's middle class. All right. If one of you working class people made a pizza, it would not be delicious. It would be a disgrace and a front. Italians would invade. <laughs> I want Nigella. You know, I want the people on Grand Designs. I don't want Towie people. Just... Oh, give me a cheer if you're middle class. Should be a bit louder, guys. Come on, just... <laughs> you got your feminists, like, come on. <laughs> but it's often quiet when I ask if people are middle class. People are ashamed to be middle class. I don't know why. Why would you admit that you're winning? It's just... I'll tell you a funny story about people hiding their, their middle classness. I was in a posh part of London where I'm from not too long ago, and I was going to a meeting, right? Now, I'm one of them people where if I'm early for a meeting, I won't turn up early, I will walk around the block, you know, I'd like to be on time. I was so early, I thought I've got to go, go get coffee, right? So in a posh part of London, went to get a coffee, and there were lots of indicators that I should not have gone into this place for my coffee, right? First indicator, there was no sign above the door. It was just a glass window, just emptiness, right, fair enough. Walked in, there was a sign on the counter which said, we don't have Wi-Fi we connect with each other. <laughs> just... And I thought, put curtains up. It sounds like an orgy in here. Like, it just... no, no wonder there's no sign. Um, and then I went to the, the counter and I said, like a black coffee, please, because I take my coffee like I take my power. <laughs> and they said, that would be £4.50. <laughs> And I said, no, when I said power, I meant black power, not like energy power. Like, is, <laughs> is there a price cap on that? That's just not, it's, 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 
So I said, oh, no, no, I've got a meeting to go to. I said, I'm going to take that coffee, my mistake. Uh, as I went to leave, I bumped into a guy who was clearly middle class. How did I know? First of all, there was climbing chalk on his hands. <laughs> You're obsessed, guys. Let's go up the wall and let's come down again. Go up the wall. There isn't enough jeopardy in your lives. Um, <laughs> top, my Instagram is just topless men hanging off of plastic walls. Bizarre. But like he was with his kids. This guy was with his kids, and I definitely knew this was a middle-class family because his children weren't wearing any shoes. And I thought, this is exactly what has become of Hackney now. This is just parents wandering around going, you've got to feel the earth. You've got to feel the borough of Hackney, but let your feet breathe. I just, and I couldn't believe it. And I used to live in a part of London called East Ham. You might have heard of it. East Ham is famous for one thing, okay? It has a street called High Street North. High Street North has the highest concentration of chicken shops and betting shops in the country. Uh, it, is, it, has a, it should have a statue there of a chicken wing or something. Uh, it's, it's phenomenal. But you go down there and it's, it's absolutely correct. It's chicken shop, chicken shop, pet shop, pet shop, pet shop, chicken shop, chicken shop, pet shop, Iceland, chicken shop, chicken shop. It's a phenomenal place. And I just thought to myself, imagine if I'd gone to a chicken shop and seen a family where the children in there had no shoes. I mean, it just wouldn't, you know, you'd see that family and pretty close behind, you'd see social services with a net catching. <laughs> and just when this man couldn't become any more unlikable, <laughs> he ordered a baby Chino. <laughs> Do you know what a baby Chino is? It's a glass of milk, guys. <laughs> And you pay £2.25 for it because they call it a baby chino. And it's an extraordinary thing. So in this coffee shop, I had a look around and it was quite busy. Uh, and there was people there paying £4.50 for their coffees and £2.20 for a glass of milk. And like, bear with me with this because I looked around and everyone looked a bit thrifty. Do you know what I mean? What I mean by thrifty? Now, don't get me wrong, I love secondhand clothes. In fact, this is secondhand. Um, I don't have a problem with secondhand clothes, but I thought everyone here is rich or has money. But no one's, no one's wearing it. I mean, you can pay £4.50 for your coffee, but you can't buy a pair of Jordans for your kids. This doesn't make... <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. But I guess going secondhand and buying vintage stuff is really about not liking, you know, fast fashion. You know, and just because you don't like Victorian labour standards, right? It doesn't mean you're not going to be partial to a three-storey Victorian terrace. Is <laughs> it? I don't know, I'm middle class. I'd never deny being middle class. People are so ashamed of it. People will act like being middle class is like voting conservative, no one admits to it. Someone's doing it. Someone's doing it. People are saying things like, it's not, people aren't voting conservative, Athena. It's the system. Really? We're going into the voting booths and we want to tick Labour, but the system just taps us on the shoulder. Hello, my, I'm first past the post. Uh, you want to just tick conservative. Why? It's the system, mate. It's the system. <laughs> someone's, someone's doing it, man.
I would never be ashamed to be middle class. My parents uh, were middle class, you know, and they brought me up middle class. Uh, my, my dad is from Ghana uh, and my mum is from Guyana. Uh, yeah, yeah. She's applauding, right, because she knows I did not just say the same country twice. <laughs> I, just, I assumed the gender there, but it's the guilty feminist that's... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Ghana and Guyana, two different countries, okay? A lot of people are like, you just said the same country twice. Why would I say the same country twice? Yeah, my dad is from Greece, my mum is from Greece. One's the country, the other's the musical. <laughs> they were middle-class people, and they brought me up middle-class. They brought me and my brothers up middle-class. I'm telling you right now, they didn't do all the work that they did and pass down all the knowledge they had to us, right? For me to come onto stage and deny to you that I use fabric conditioner. I swear to God, they didn't do it so I could lie and tell you that there is not a kind of olive oil in my house you're not allowed to cook with. <laughs> because there is. <laughs> but a crazy thing's happened to me recently. I've, I've had to question my class identity. Uh, what happened was I was, on a, I was on a Zoom call with other writers. Now, I am a, a comedian and a writer. That means I'm often in rooms uh, where I'm, I don't really share a background with the people I'm working with, a little bit like tonight, I guess. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Um, but I'm, I'm used to it because of my training. You know, my parents were about middle class. So I don't mind. So and I literally don't have the same background as these guys. Like, literally, I'll have a fireplace, but they've got, like, geese and ducks and swans and shit and horses galloping in their gardens outside. But it's cool. I was in this, I was in this one Zoom. I was working with other writers, and before we started work, I was having a bit of banter. All right. They started talking about skiing. <laughs> I've been skiing, okay? I have. I've been skiing since I was 17. I must have been so many times now. I'm a decent skier. And not only am I a skier, I'm a snowboarder too. I do both, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, man, I know all about it. I know all about being goofy, working class people. Do you know what that means? No, you don't, do you? I told you, you're not going to get the goat. You're not going to get it. <laughs> anyway... I thought this was going great. I'm getting them great with these people. I've been skiing loads. I've been everywhere. Lovely times, lovely times. Then they started talking about Bordeaux. One of them had a girlfriend, right, whose family had a place in Bordeaux, in case you weren't aware of this. Middle-class people aren't rich. It's just their partners are rich. <laughs> it's always my partner's got a place there. My partner's mum's got a place there. Now, Bordeaux, I've never been to Bordeaux, but you know what? I've got a cupboard full of wine. <laughs> Delicious wine, some of which is probably from Bordeaux. <laughs> It started to get a bit awkward, this conversation. I had to drop out. It was after talking about skiing, snowboarding, and Bordeaux, they continued the conversation in French. <laughs> Don't know if you're aware of this, but very posh people in this country just randomly speak fluent French. <laughs> I have conversational French, which means I can say I don't speak French. <laughs> in French. <laughs> The other thing, so I thought maybe I'm not as, maybe I don't have as much in common with these four white guys with cravats and singlet, <laughs> and singlet rings as I, as I thought. Then I thought, well, let me do it scientifically. Do you know how you know what class you are? It's what your parents did for a living. What did your parents do for a job? Well, my dad didn't do anything. Genuinely, he spent his time in the UK and Ghana, but when he was in the UK, he never really worked. I was brought up mainly by my mum. And my mum was a dinner lady. Guys, I'm, I'm working class. <laughs> but I never knew it. 
because she always put the emphasis on lady. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I started to think about my childhood and everything that I thought was middle class wasn't. We never had branded stuff. Any working class people here or people who grew up thrifty, like, did you ever buy a branded version of something once and then fill it up with a non-branded thing over and over again? <laughs> we had a bottle of fairy liquid that lasted for 30 years, guys. By the end, there wasn't even a label on it. It was a completely wasted endeavor, <laughs> putting morning glory <laughs> in this empty container. I couldn't believe it, but do you know something now? I grew up working class. I now can tell you that my kids are growing up middle class. Do you know how? I know they're middle class. They've got a conservatory. <laughs> Give me a cheer if you've got a conservatory. I won't lie, most times I do that joke and no one says nothing, but I come to Oxford and... <laughs> Everyone's got a fucking conservatory. <laughs> not many of you got conservatories. Like, give me a nod if you got conservatories. Yeah, it's not, I'm looking, I can see all of you. There's not many of you nodding. Like, literally, the ten of us, I would say. There's about ten of us in here with a conservatory, right? And most of you don't have one. And I look, I look like this. And I've got a conservatory. And word on the street is that you're taking a knee for us. Wow, guys, okay, do you know what? From now on, I'm going to take a knee for all the people at conservatories. This is... You have the real, you have the real car struggle, guys. Guys, I've been a theatre venue. You have been fantastic. Thank you, have a great evening. Bye. I've got some bad news, Shona. I tried to write a really lovely inscription, but I, you know when you... It's, does anyone else find they don't use a pen anymore? So when they go to write, it looks like they're writing like a kidnapping threat or something like that. <laughs> it's got, I can't have that be in the library. It looks like I was educated here and I'm illiterate. <laughs> so I'm going to have to post you another... So I'm going to give you this one, but I'm just going to trust you not to... I mean, give it to you. It's yours. You bought it. But I'm going to give it back to you with these scrawlings inside. I'm going to trust you not to put that in a library. <laughs> And then I'll post you one or bring it back. Is that okay, Shona? Oh, that's love. I mean, she's at socially, really, it's a socially awkward position for her. What's she going to say? It's not good enough. Do it again. Oh, where was our lovely person? Uh, Catherine, what was her name? B. B, thank you. I knew you'd remember. I have, Catherine's now in charge of anything I forget. B, hello. Tell us your feminist story. Yes. At the next computing conference, I'm holding a panel calling out the men in academia for not getting a sketch job. Great. So B is an unemployed academic holding a panel at a conference saying, the reason I'm unemployed is you fuckers, men, budge the fuck up. Is the panel called Budge the Fuck Up? Yeah, you should call it Budge the Fuck Up. That's too long. <laughs> I've brought the books for Shona, but it's going to take feminism to get them back to her. So, Catherine, you are obviously my, uh, my vice-captain. So I'm going to give them to you, if that's okay. Oh! I can do it. This is awkward, isn't it? <laughs> this is not impressive. 
No, 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 no. I don't want to. I don't want to. I, I can't throw rain books down on someone's head who has a disability. I don't. That's. I get no sure. I'm definitely. You can have them. Thank you, thank you. Now, Shona, uh, could you, through the sisterhood, get those books back to Shona? So, Shona, you're going to need to make yourself known. Don't put the lights up. We're just going to deal with feminism. Just, it, this scroll is bad. Yes, Catherine has verified it. So, just, you give it to someone. They have to give it to someone else. We pass it back. The power of the sisterhood. Shona, make yourself known. There's no lights coming on. We're just going to feel the power of the feminism. She's giving a very vague, subtle... It's like Darren Brown, but for feminism. We're just going to feel our way back. Feel our way back. Oh, it's incredible. Are we getting there? And when, when we get there, we're just going to have a big cheer for the sisterhood slash siblinghood. Is that? Woo! Uh, Shona, I'll, I'll have to get your details. I mean, I know where you live. You live at Harris Manchester. I'll just write to Shona at Harris Manchester. It's going to be fine. Is that right? Do, do you still have pigeonholes? Do you still have pigeonholes? When I was there, we had these little... There was a box in the wall that was cut into these little boxes, and then your name was on it, and then your post would go into there. But the way we would contact each other, because it was before texting, yes, be fucking shocked. I got my first text on New Year's Eve 2000. So if you wanted to invite someone to play, you put a little flyer in, and then you gave it to a... Put it in a box, and then a little man... Yes, it was a man. Um... (laughs) Uh, would come and take it and run around to all the other colleges putting it in the pigeonholes. And that's how it was in the time of the Flintstones, okay? It was during the Blitz. There were wonderful times. Shut up, okay? Now, we've just done that same method here, live, analogue. We don't need the internet. We need feminism. We need boots on the ground. We need activism. We need to come together. We need to bring the next act on. Hello, Guilty Feminists. This is Deborah. I'm just quickly interrupting the podcast with a few things you might be interested in. Our tour shows have been incredible. We've just loved being with you and we're bound to be coming to a UK venue near you soon. So check out those dates at guiltyfeminist.com. Can I let you know that my stand-up show, which is called The Guilty Feminist Stands Up and it's about coming out as bisexual and going in with psychedelics, is at the Soho Theatre in London from the 26th of April to the 7th of May. Tickets are going fast. Then we're off to Australia and New Zealand in July. Get tickets for those too, all at guiltyfeminist.com. Big Speeches to Up Your Confidence is a workshop you can do online with Jessica Regan on the 24th of April, the 29th of May or the 26th of June. Join our Patreon to get ad-free episodes and regular monthly Zoom hangouts. For all the details, go to guiltyfeminist.com. And now back to the podcast. Are you ready for some more incredible stand-up comedy? You've seen her on Live at the Apollo. Uh, And lots of other televisual extravaganzas. We are lucky to have her here tonight because she is a phenomenal feminist and an incredible comedian. She co-hosted with me uh, one of my favourite shows of the year. Uh, So she she is a much-loved Guilty Feminist co-host. Put your hands together and make incredible Guilty Feminist welcoming woohooing noises. Stamp your feet. Break laws if necessary to welcome the incredible Sarah Keyword! Oh, 
what can I tell you about what's been going on with me? Uh, I've just taken up Morris dancing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Could make enemies straight away. Uh, I, uh, no, I actually, I just spent the weekend in Birmingham. I was digging in Birmingham, so I was alone uh, a lot for the weekend. It's nice to just see people. Uh, but sane people, this is the thing. I, uh, I was in a pub garden by myself, just having a little drink, and then two women sat down opposite me, and one went off to get drinks. She came back with a, a pint of cider and a pint of lager. She put them down on the table, and she says to her friend, she says, I had to beg them to put your lager in a lady's glass. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, basically what she meant was uh, they were both pints, right but you know the sort of traditional pint pot you're familiar with that she wanted them in the one with the little stem at the bottom <laughs> those were the ladies ones and her mate went oh yeah it's good that you did that because otherwise they might have thought you were buying it for your bloke <laughs> imagine that imagine having your, your sort of sexual identity or gender identity validated by a small stem of glass <laughs> That's, that's the only thing standing between you and just being completely confused about who you are. I said that to my girlfriend, and she was like, to be fair, Sarah, you get a lot of validation from a five-inch stem of glass, so let's, uh, let's be honest there. But it was, yeah, to be fair to them, they were looking around, because one of them went, yeah, see, those blokes, those blokes have got pint pots, and we've got the ladies' ones. Then they looked at me, and I was just holding one of each. Just... <laughs> they were like, what do we do? <laughs> I like looking like this. I like confusing people everywhere I go. I love it. It's my favourite thing. I do it in, uh, in toilets. I confuse people in toilets because nobody knows what I am in a toilet, which is very fun. I was in a public toilet recently and a woman came out of the cubicle. On seeing me, she panicked. I don't know what happened. She, just, she went, oh, she said, she said these words. She said, I'm sorry, is this the men's, the girls or the bisexuals? <laughs> confusing time for her what a frightening situation so many options none of them make sense the men's the girls or the bisexuals because obviously we know the bisexuals that's not a gender identity that is a sexuality hopefully that was a mistake because otherwise what does she think happens in the toilet what is she expecting does she think they're fuck rooms and if she does why does she say girls uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, no, it's very strange, very strange thing to do. I do, I, I like confusing people. I, it makes me laugh. It makes me laugh when it happens, where it happens. I was out for dinner with my girlfriend the other day. The woman serving us, she brought over a bottle of wine. As she's putting it down on the table, she had a little look at me. And she turned to my girlfriend and she went, Oh, is it just you drinking wine or can he have some as well? <laughs> No, because right, well, I think we need to break that situation down. Because what's happened there is not only has that woman clearly had a look at me and gone, Yeah, that is a. Uh, That is, that's, that is a, that's a small boy. <laughs> There's a small boy in the restaurant. Well, she's clearly also, I had a look at my girlfriend and gone, well, I suppose that's, uh, that's got, that's got, that's got to be, um, that's got to be his mum. <laughs> and I tell you what, that was the best moment of my life. It was amazing, because it's so rare that you can be misgendered and also be the least hurt party in the situation. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, she was fucking fuming. Oh, she was so annoyed. She, I was laughing so much. I thought that was great. That's so good, isn't it? It's so funny. Until she was like, do you know what? Actually, it's just me drinking wine. And then she ordered me fish fingers. So, it's, uh, fair play, isn't it? There's some difficulties with looking like this because, like, one of the hardest things is going to weddings looking like this. I don't know if anybody has experienced uh, looking sort of gender fluid and going to a wedding. It's, it's tricky, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think that was a woo, but it was a bit of a bark. <laughs> Wasn't it? And it's hard to know whether it's supportive. Was it? That was, it was almost like a scream, wasn't it? It's just a ah! <laughs> uh, And I don't, I'm, I, do, we, do you need help? <laughs> Call somebody. Uh, I, I, uh, good. Um, I'm gonna. It'd be awful if I was like, yeah, you and I, you and me, you have the same experience. And then after the show, I find out that someone was attacked. And I'm like, woo, go you. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 hard because you have a choice when you look like me and you go to a wedding. You have a choice, right? You can either wear a dress and feel uncomfortable, or you can wear a suit and be a talking point. Those are your two options when you go to a wedding. The first wedding I went to where I wore a suit, it was in Irish Catholic Dublin. <laughs> oh, immediately. Yeah, it was with my, it was with my ex-girlfriend. We were, we were together at the time. It wasn't like an Irish version of X on the beach. Uh, just like X on the cross. Um, we, went, we went to it, and, and I went shopping with my mum to try and find a suit. I decided I was going to get a suit. went shopping with my mum to try and find one. And the problem is, I'm, I'm tiny, right? I'm a small human being. Uh, and so all the women's suits, they're too fitted, they're too feminine. I don't like that kind of style. All the men's suits are too big, they're huge on me. And I'm sort of getting stressed at the end of the day, thinking, I don't know what I'm going to wear. And, I, and then suddenly, just right before the day ended, I remembered that teenage boys exist. <laughs> And I've got the body of a teenage boy. I think we can all agree. So we ran to Next Kids. Turns out I've got the body of a preteen boy because I bought a suit for a 12-year-old. <laughs> this is a true story. I've got a 12-years suit in my wardrobe at the moment. It's proper smart, like, really nice. It's got, like, ice creams and watermelon in the lining, you know. Like. <laughs> Very nice. But I tried, the, worst, the worst thing was, I tried it on in the changing room. As I was putting it on, I was in the changing room, and then I walked out just to show my mom. I said, oh, I will do this subtly to show my mom. But she'd wandered off. And there was a moment where I thought I was going to have to walk out into the shop, find a shop assistant, stop her, still wearing this suit, and say, I'm really sorry. Have you seen my mom? It's <laughs> terribly embarrassing. Especially because it was my girlfriend. Uh, no. <laughs> so I went, I felt good. I felt good in the suit. I went to this wedding, traditional Irish Catholic wedding in like outer Dublin. I turned up. My girlfriend was with me, my ex-girlfriend was with me. She's very, she's very feminine and everyone knew her. So she's very comfortable. She was very accepted. Honestly, I think it would have made less of a scene if she turned up with a goat on her arm. <laughs> The, the, the mother of the bride ran out to meet us. She greets us. Just as, she comes out of church and she comes to greet us and she says these words to me. She says, thank you so much for coming. It's really nice to see you. There might be some people here who are a bit surprised to see you, but don't worry, the priest has been warned. <laughs> Have you ever been anywhere and been told that the priest has been warned that you're coming? That is usually exclusively reserved for the devil. 
man. So we go in, and it made me realise right, that, that the, uh, the, the basically the, the most traditional part of, of weddings, really, like for, for guests uh, and, and gender, gender-wise, is the way people greet you. And I didn't know anyone, and nobody knew how to meet me. Does that make sense? Because what they would do is a very traditional thing. Of, if you meet a man, you shake his hand. You meet a woman, you give a kiss on the cheek. They didn't know, what to, they didn't know how to meet me. One man, he, met, he walked over, he stuck his hand out, he shook my hand, and then he said, should I be giving you a kiss? <laughs> what a horrifying thing to have somebody say to you. Another woman, she, went, she kept, what came towards me, she stretched her hand out like that, and then at the last second, she turned her hand like that, and I swear to God, she curtsied. <laughs> She panicked, she buckled at the sight of me. Do you know how horrible it is being the only English person at an Irish wedding and then suddenly they start curtsying? <laughs> I thought they were gonna think that I was requesting it. That woman also didn't know how to end her conversation with me. We've all been there, haven't we, where you're sort of at a social event, you find yourself talking to somebody that you don't know and suddenly your brain goes, I've got absolutely no idea how to leave this situation. <laughs> And you know that there's like 101 normal ways to leave a conversation, but you're like, I can't do any of them. I can't do any of those. I've got to think of something radical. I don't know. What, I, it, was so, it was the strangest way that anybody has ever loft, left a conversation with me in my life because she kind of came to the end of a sentence. I came to the end of what I was saying. We paused for a minute, and she lifted her glass, tilted it towards me, and she went, well. <laughs> chin, chin, bitches. <laughs> actually the best way to leave a conversation in the world. What an incredible way to behave. <laughs> Wonderful, isn't it? Wonderful stuff. I, uh, I, I'm trying to sort of... Um I'm trying to be, be healthier in my, in my brain and my mind. I've started having therapy recently. Make some noise for therapy. <laughs> yes, yes. I, uh, this, this, is, this is... Is it anti-feminist to think one woman is bad at her job? No, I think it's inclusive to say that, th- that women can be bad at their jobs in this day and age, right? Basically, my, th- my therapist is called Hazel, and I don't think we get on. <laughs> and the reason is that I think that I actually... I'm from the Midlands, and, uh, <laughs> and basically... Uh, so I sort of struggle with the, the parts of my identity. Sometimes I feel more southern, sometimes I feel more northern, sometimes I just feel very Midlands. Uh, but st- I, tr- st- tr- I like being from the Midlands, even though it does sound like somewhere the Hobbit seas live. Uh, but I, 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 I'm too northern for therapy, that's what I've discovered, right? Because I pay £60 an hour for therapy, right? And that's too much. It's too expensive. I spend the entire session thinking about how much money I'm spending. (laughs) And I leave more stressed than when I arrive. (laughs) Hazel's supposed to calm me down and all I can think about is my dwindling finances. She likes to do five minutes of breathing at the top of each session. That is five pounds of breathing. I can't afford that, Hazel. I can breathe for free at home. It's awful. The other day, because one of the things I'm trying to work through at the moment, it's a sad, it's a sad thing, uh, and it's difficult, but I'm trying to sort of get better at, at, uh, at talking about it on stage, so I'm going to dance as I say it. But, uh, <laughs> a, friend <of> mine, <laughs> a friend of mine passed away recently. Uh, is that less sad when I do this? 
Do you think it's better if you move like that? I was trying to think of a euphemism for saying that my friend had passed away, and I kept saying that he, uh, that he ghosted me. Um, yeah, but I think ultimately it is. It's the, it's the peak ghosting, isn't it, really? The last message he sent me was, I'd love to see you again. Why are all men the same? But uh, I'm trying to work through that in therapy at the moment. And Hazel doesn't know what to do with it. I think that's what I've discovered. The other day, I was, I was, I was ac- actual sobbing. Uh, and I, said, I finished a sentence with something along the lines of, and I don't really know how to carry on. And Hazel looked at me, and she said, Yeah. <laughs> That's tough. <laughs> and it was really with a tone of like, you should speak to somebody about this. <laughs> Do you have anybody that you can talk to? <laughs> and then she pauses for like another pound ten. <laughs> I was just waiting. Just waiting. I, uh, I just, I'm going to finish by, by telling you a story about my friend Paul. He's, he's the funniest man I've ever met in my life. Uh, and he was, he was sick in November. He, long illness, sick in November. He was in hospital in November. And whilst he was in hospital, he watched Bo Burnham's special Inside. Has anybody watched it? Yes. Now, my friend Paul was a, was a famously straight man uh, in, in the sense that when he passed away, I can't tell you how many women claimed that he was the one that got away. And I was like, you can't call dying the one that got away. That's not fair. But anyway, so he watched Bo Burnham's special, and then he, he rang me up and he said, Sarah, I'm having a little bit of a awakening, <laughs> as it were. Uh, and, uh, and I said, what's going on? And he said, I think I fancy Bo Burnham. And, uh, and I said, this is really a bit late, isn't it? Uh, this is a, and, uh, and he said to me, the last time I saw him, he said to me, he brought it up again, and he said, would you please watch the special uh, and then let me know what you think? Because if you fancy him, I'm not gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if you watch it and you don't fancy him, then I'm gay. <laughs> so the last words in person he ever said to me as I was walking out of his house were, let me know if I'm gay. <laughs> uh, and I, do you know what? It's, it's sad because I didn't, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it in time. I've watched it now. I have watched it now. And I'm not going to say anything because it's, you know, it's Paul's business. I'm not going to, you know, reveal my findings to anybody. Uh, but what I will say is that I am really going to miss that queen. Um, <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm Sarah Kiewer. Cheers. Sarah Kiewer, everybody! Can you, can you hear me laughing in the wings? I have a really loud laugh. Okay, good. Can you sometimes see a flash of gold cape? I'm going for that. I want to be sort of like a feminist superhero where you just think, was she there or not? Flash of gold cape. Um, our next act... I'm very excited to say, uh, is a poet. And yes, um, woo indeed. Uh, she is doing a full hour show at, not tonight, relax, <laughs> uh, uh, at, uh, at the Oxford Playhouse uh, in a few weeks' time. 
And tonight she's going to do three poems. Uh, and I really love her. I think she's absolutely fantastic. want to share her with you so that you can go and see her show. She's also got a book coming out later this month, which you can buy. Uh, so what I'm doing is I'm bringing her on so that you can have her as a treat. Um, you've got books. You've got shows to go to. It's very exciting. I love sharing people like this on The Guilty Feminist who I might not otherwise be able to tell you all about. Uh, so I'm very excited, and I'm going to be in the wings with a little flash of uh, gold cape gripped. Please put your hands together and make incredible welcoming woohooing noises for the wonderful Molly Naylor! <laughs> a bit for poetry a little tiny whoop um so i am a feminist but i wasn't a feminist um, when i was a teenager and if i'm really honest like into my 20s um I, I i think i thought it was just a little bit angry like a little bit a little bit chickpeas do you know what i mean um but really i think i just felt like i i wasn't sort of invited to it and it wasn't for me you know and i think so this poem is about it's about the importance of remembering to keep extending invitations to people who feel like they don't belong. So it's called, If You Didn't Get the Invite, This is the Invite. Come in your work clothes, your wetsuit, your PJs, your walking boots. Come lanyard-wearing, dust-covered, suffering, cynical, scared. Come half-mast, half-arsed, half-cut, half-full, half-gone. Come matchmakers, undertakers, come, I might see you later, come with or without babies, come over it all, under duress, come struck by lightning, come recently dumped, come anxious, come awkward, come who can I walk in with, come nothing to see here, come this ain't for me, it's all for you, and a finger up to those who made you doubt it, there's wildness in your blood and glitter in your belly, your heart's an empty cup, come on, come fill it up. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to do a quick list for you. Everyone loves a list, don't they? That's what you came out for. Um, I'm going to do a little list. So during the lockdown, um, my look was... Uh, how, how, how was your, like, fashion during the lockdown? How are you feeling? Um, my look was haunted PE teacher. Um, and I, I went to Twitter, because obviously I was on Twitter for about 27 hours a day at the time, and so I said that to Twitter. I said, that's my look in three words. What, what are your lockdown looks in three words? And, and th- these are some things that Twitter people told me. And I'm going to read them out and give me a whoop if any of them make you feel seen. Okay, so haunted PE teacher. Drunk tie-dye nun. Hungover darts champ. Stressed warhammer boy. Expanding hairy nugget. Athleisure Liam Gallagher. Soup splattered tablecloth. Dishevelled lighthouse keeper. Apocalyptic yoga pensioner. Horny trapped gamekeeper. Niche. Grandma Hedgewitch. Desi Metal Santa. Chaotic cutlery drawer. Pound shop David Lynch. Divorced Irish poet. Exhausted share impersonator. Shipwrecked action man. Jauntily harrowing scarecrow. Dirty, helpless snake. <laughs> yeah, we were really, we were really, really living, weren't we, during those times? Thank you. Okay, an actual poem. Uh, did you enjoy Zoom drinks? Give me a sort of noise that expressed your feelings about Zoom drinks. 
Yeah, it's okay. You don't have to do them anymore. Um, I, yeah, I struggled. I, I'm still sort of struggling to reconnect and to connect again. It's fucking weird, isn't it? And, and like, I really gave up on Zoom drinks because I felt like trying and failing to connect actually just made me feel more lonely than being alone. Um, so this is about that. It's called Minimal Funfair. On separate Ferris wheels, we try to hang out. In sad semaphore, I think I tell you how drunk I wish I was. You say you want to fuck a bus. And I reply, I know what you mean. At the same time as you sign, I mean man, not bus, man. Our sentences get lost as they float over waltzes, a feedback loop of, sorry, you go. You're way too far away. I'll shut my mouth, just look at you, and hope my Ferris wheel lights up your sky like yours does mine. We'll watch each other go round until the day we can touch. This hurts. Let's just say that. I want to fuck a bus. <laughs> Thank you so much. So yes, um, come and see me at uh, the Oxford Playhouse in the uh, Burton Taylor studio on the 29th and 30th. This is my new book, Whatever You've Got, out at the end of April. Um, I'm just going to finish with this. I'm going to leave you with it. So I am a woman in my late 30s, right? And I don't have children, which means that whenever I go to events where there are, like, children, like, parties with children, I get a lot of, like, people looking at my womb sort of expectantly or sometimes pointedly, sometimes accusatorily, and, like, I just think, right, can we have maybe a blanket policy on, like, just getting the fuck out of, like, everyone's wombs? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's, like, the choice to, like, have kids or not have kids or... Yeah, right? Get out of our wombs! Um... They never thought I'd say that on stage. Uh, yeah, the, the, like, the choice to have kids or not have kids, the answer to that question, right, is can, that can be quite a complicated answer. So I wrote this. Hopefully people were here and shut the fuck up. Um, it's called Kick, and it's about all of the lives that we sort of maybe will grieve or maybe just, like, hold a glass up to because we won't get to live them. And uh, it's after Simon Armitage, which means I ripped off his structure... Um, which I think is fine I like my poem because he wrote a poem with a similar structure but mine I just think it's a bit better (laughs) I just do okay thank you so much you've been lovely thank you for having me this is called Kick I've not felt life kick from the inside I've not felt cold jelly on my abdomen and the pressure of a probe in search of a beat I've not recoiled from unwelcome bump rubs or cringed at well-meant advice I've not sat fat and happy in patisserie Valerie as friends and sisters present me with gifts. I've not crept from a bedroom, song tied to my bone marrow, only to hear her start up again. I've not pressed my nose against a tiny fresh head to inhale what's elusive, delicious and mine. I have kicked a womb from the inside. I have poured champagne in student flats, proffering pasta bake like a dickhead queen, I have read friends' draft emails in laybys. I have walked the Norfolk coast path with women on the brink of divorce. I have bathed a dying man in a care home and helped him choose an outfit for the bingo. I have been born again and again, and I have regretted, not regretted, settled on not regretting the regretting. Everything accumulates, and nothing matters, and anything can matter if you let it. Thank you so much. I've been Molly Naylor. You've been lovely. I'll see you soon. Bye. Molly Naylor, everybody.
I wasn't wrong, was I? Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Here we are. Hello. Oh, it's really nice to be back. Because when I went to university here, no one thought I'd be one of the successful ones. It's true. It's true. It's genuinely true. Whenever I meet up with my friends from Oxford, which I don't much, they always look at me with suspicion like, we thought you were going to be a loser. It's true. That happens. Maybe don't put that out on the podcast then. I'm still friends with them. Um, I am a loser. Hmm? I am a loser. Oh, no, I am a numpty. Yeah. There's no question. But I think objectively, Sarah, while you might be a numpty, you're not a loser. I am. I'm a loser at prep. One person clapping. Like, <laughs> Just... Yeah. The, the rest same, of the room are like, no, you're person. a fucking loser, mate. <laughs> uh. um, it's really, really nice to be here, genuinely. I am obviously joking about all that stuff. But I do have really fond memories of being here and living here and all the wonderful things I got to do while I was here. So thank you so much for having us back. We're really excited about our guests uh, because our guests are going to talk to us about jurisprudence. And this is really important for feminists. Sarah, what do you think jurisprudence is? Can you de- do you reckon you could define it? Jurisprudence. Yeah. Sounds like the name of a spinster in a Dickens film. <laughs> That's like I said, Dickens film. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go to Oxford. <laughs> um, they don't even know I'm in the city. Uh, so, okay, if that's your first guess. Jurisprudence was a plain woman. <laughs> uh, uh, give us a cheer if you think you could solidly define jurisprudence. Okay, there's a couple of pretty, pretty certain cheers over here. Give us a cheer. Would you call them certain cheers? 
like that. Um, give us a cheer if you've got a vague idea, but you you wouldn't want to stake a million quid on it. Give, give us, a, us a cheer if you've got no fucking clue, but you just want to have a guess. Yeah. Okay, I'm quite keen to know what some of the people who've never heard of it might guess. Uh, Sarah Keyworth's guess, I think, is excellent. Uh, does anyone else have a guess? And if you don't know what it is, what does it sound like? A chastity belt. <laughs> jurisprudence. That's correct. This is like call my That's so good. Is, yes. it, is jurisprudence a character in a Dickens film? Yes. Or a chastity belt? One more belt? discretion and we'll put you in the jurisprudence. <laughs> Anything else? Any other guesses from people who don't know? What's oh. that? A laxative. A laxative? <laughs> Our guests you don't are want to get the them combined, doubled over do you? with joy. <laughs> doubled over. Um, okay, now someone who thinks they they got the vague idea, but they're not quite sure, could they have a go at defining it? The practice of law. Okay. Now someone who reckons they absolutely do know, uh, could you shout out? It's the philosophy of law. Oh, you said that with such a smug tone. <laughs> what was it your was like, You sat there waiting, going, have a guess. <laughs> have a guess. Uh, is uh, it guilty feminist who, who knew that it's the philosophy of law? Are you yourself a lawyer? I am indeed. You are indeed. <laughs> and it's the kind of way a lawyer answers yeah, a question, isn't absolutely. it? Indeed. <laughs> The lawyer will never just say yes, will I? Never just say, yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, that's what I no do. No room like, for misinterpretation yes. there, is there? Your Honour, may I approach the bench? Yes, indeed. Um, are you a qualified lawyer or a legal student? Qualified lawyer. Sorry, I didn't mean to diminish you. I just always, in a, in a university town, I, you know, I, I think it's good to check because medics always say they're medics. They're not, they're just drunk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's, there's drunk people falling, falling into the gutters and, yeah. and stealing those uh, traffic cones, aren't they? And they say they're medics, and that's very frightening. Got no idea what they're doing. Yeah. What was that? Offensive. Offensive? Yeah. Oh. We can't really see you, though. That's yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> you also, sound young. I'm going to call out, and I'm a feminist, but you, I'm, a, I'm a feminist and I'm a qualified lawyer. And a proper grown woman. But thank you for thinking I'm young and I'm qualified. <laughs> we've been trained to do it. I, I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. I, I, uh, we've all been trained to want to be on your news. Uh, it's the patriarchy. It's not your fault. Uh, did, did you say that was offensive because you are, in fact, a medic? Yeah. Are you a medical student? No. You're a proper doctor? Yeah. They yeah, were well, not slagging you, you off there. Yeah, no, you were, you were not drunk. There's a traffic cone here next to you. Are you a qualified doctor who's picked up a traffic cone on the way? In which case, I rest my case. Yes, That's indeed. That's for you. Thank you very much. Indeed, I do. Um, I think it's time to get our guests out on that oh note. Oh, my God. Are we the smartest people in the world? I, I'm feeling really up for this conversation. I'm excited about it. Um, I'm going to bring on our guests. Our guests today are leading members of the Oxford Feminist jurisprudence discussion group <laughs> yep yeah, people are people someone went wow uh, I feel it, like I'm having a nightmare 
You're going to be all right, Keyworth. You're going to be all right. Breathe. I don't know what any of these words mean. No. You do. You know what feminist means. Otherwise, you're the wrong booking. You know about discussion. You're a comedian. Oh, I studied drama at De Montfort University in Leicester. You know what a group is. You're in loads of WhatsApp groups. mum liked the toilets in the student union. Uh, Right, You're going to okay. be fine. Breathe through it. Breathe through it. Okay. You're going to be fine. They're here to teach us. The whole point of the Guilty Feminists is we don't know. We get people in to come in and we're trying to be better feminists and this is good. It's a good way to learn about how to be better feminists. I do love to learn. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> together, this group, you know what a group is. You've got, you're in loads of WhatsApp groups now. A group. Together, oh, together oh, they analyse law and jurisprudence, which we know is the philosophy of law, from a distinctly feminist standpoint that seeks to challenge underlying gendered assumptions behind both disciplines and their claims to neutrality. I mean, at this point, at this point, we're all losing our way a little. But don't worry, don't worry, we've got excellent guides. And please welcome to the stage Lara Ibrahim, Sabrina Goles, and Nicole Stibranova. <laughs> onto the stage so it's not just medics it's not just medics um, now but just to be clear I sorry, did go. give them permission to do that but did I did you? say I also have no authority here so <laughs> you said I, th- I think you would make an excellent judge but like a funny comedy judge with that attitude going yeah. I don't know Can, may I approach the bench I don't know is approaching the bench a thing that would do yes are you are sure? what are you going to do <laughs> <laughs> that would be inappropriate okay. now um can you just all introduce yourself to the audience, please, and to the listeners at home? Of course. I'm Lara Ibrahim. I'm a master's student in law at Oxford University and part of the um, Feminist Jurisprudence Discussion Group. I'm one of the conveners. Hi, um, I'm Sabrina Golds. I'm um, also a research student at the University of Oxford. Um, I'm doing research into how law can be used to make um, responses to homelessness more caring. And um, I'm also a convener of the Feminist Jurisprudence Discussion Group. Um, my name is Nicole, Nicole Stimnarova, and I am a research student um, in Oxford and also in the University of Helsinki. And my research is about showing how laws that at their face are supposed to protect women are actually harming women. Now, you run a discussion group that's open, and we need to be very clear about this at the top, to both gown and town. Um, but you run it, and you are like the... Not men and women. Oh, no, town and gown is... Um, the, uh... <laughs> okay, that's not fair. You wound me up. Um, <laughs> uh, they're not pronouns, uh, just to be clear. Um... I won't talk much. <laughs> If you're listening at home and you've never heard that expression before, it means the people who live in the town and the people who come here for eight weeks at a time and steal the traffic cones. Um, so the men and the women. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Uh, so you, but you run this discussion group specifically to talk about the philosophy of law and how it affects feminists. 
And then, because you're all academics who are then going to practice in different ways and influence the law in different ways, you are looking for this philosophy to turn into some kind of real-world change. By It's got to start somewhere. You've got to start by talking about it. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that is right. Um, I suppose, like, to be fair, I would say our group is more... We, we do a lot of talking. Um, <laughs> okay. Nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, we... we um, Although, yeah, of course, we definitely like um, the things that we talk about to translate into real-world change. Um, the, 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 our, our group is about um, talking and discussing. Um, and, yeah, we kind, we, we kind of, yeah, as you said, um, action kind of begins with chat. So, yeah. Is that your motto, action begins with chat? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every action begins with a single chat. Action um, begins with chats, cups of tea, glasses of wine. Isn't that what they say on Love Island as well? <laughs> Should we have a little chat? Have a little chat? Should we go for a chat? Yeah. Um, now I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. So what we're looking at here is Love Island meets jurisprudence, the plain woman from a Dickens so movie. Okay. Now, what I want to ask you is this: uh, Can you tell us jurisprudence is the philosophy of the law? Why do, you, why do you need a feminist society to talk about the philosophy of the law? Well, that's because <laughs> um, legal thinking and legal education is um, direly unaware of law as a structure of power that can impact on power in society. So when lawyers talk about law, typically, they speak about this alternative universe within which there are some rules and you know, they argue within these rules, but they're not aware or they not, don't think about laws as actually distributing power in society. And that's why it's important for a, a group of feminist thinkers to enter the debate and say this is how law distributes power to men and takes it away from women. And do you think that the legislation that's happened since women got the vote, for example, in this country... I, mean, I think a lot of people don't realise the reason women didn't, the reason women wanted the vote so desperately that they literally blew stuff up, is that there were no laws to protect women. It wasn't just oh, it's not fair, we can't put a bit of a tick on the paper. It's just that they, that politicians don't make legislation if people can't vote for them. So at that point, women's babies could just be taken away and they had no right to them. They could just be shut up in a sanitary because they're a sanatorium, rather. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> in a sanitary napkin. <laughs> yes. They could just be shut up in a sanitary, a large life-size sanitary towel. <laughs> Victorian times were... were well, know. they just cry a lot, don't they? So it's, uh, it's good to absorb. <laughs> Listen, at that time of the month, I would often happily just wrap myself in a life-size sanitary <laughs> towel. Five days and, later. Yeah, yeah, weep and bleed until it we was over. We should patent that. Yeah, yes. sanitary sleeping bag. <laughs> <laughs> um... Are any, can any of you do the contract? Okay. Um, uh, and so uh, yeah, the woman could get sent to a sanatorium and just locked up or, you know, uh, there were all sorts of ways in which the law just completely failed. There were no labour laws. There, was no, there were no sexual harassment laws. So the laws that have been made in the last 100 years, have they been inadequate is, I suppose, what we're asking you as the jurisprudence gang. Um, I would say yes, um, they have. Um, 
So I think one example that springs to my mind is um, divorce law in the UK. Um, so a couple of years ago, there was a case um, where um, it's called Owens and Owens, if anyone wants to look it up. Um, but there was a case where um, a woman wanted to divorce a, her husband on the grounds of unreasonable behaviour. Um, was he, his name Mr. Owens? It was. It was Mr. Owens. Mrs. Owens wanted to divorce Mr. Owens for unreasonable behaviour. Um, it's crazy that they're the same now. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, so, so in the UK, um, a technicality in the law is that you have to prove, um, in order to get a divorce, if, it, if, if you're petitioning for divorce and the other party doesn't want a divorce, you have to allege that um, there has been some kind of fault um, in the way that you've been treated by your partner. Um, oh, you can't, even now in 2022, just say, I'm bored of this. Well, you can, um, in theory, um, and in practice, mostly you can, but in the very, very, very rare occasion that um, the person that you're trying to divorce wants to stop you from being able to divorce them, it could end up going right to the Supreme Court, which is what happened really? in Mr. and Mrs. Owens' case. Um, well, I think that's the unreasonable behaviour in itself. I, I would agree. <laughs> Isn't that case in point? Yeah. I should be a lawyer. Take mine, Tom Selinsky. <laughs> um, but anyway, in this case, there's um, multiple examples um, that she gives as to um, ex reasons why she wants to divorce him for unreasonable behaviour, and they include things like um, berating her in public, um, uh, sort of humiliating her in front of the housekeeper. Um, I know. <laughs> That's not funny at all, but it can't... It sounds funny, but also, you know, rich people can have problems too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good crowd to do that one in front of, isn't it? <laughs> I'm so sorry because I feel bad because, of course, you kind of have a housekeeper and be uh, in an abusive situation. So I just feel bad. But it was just the way you said it. No, I, no, it's fine. I, I think I should be a lawyer and you should be a comedian. <laughs> Well, maybe we should swap them. Yeah, here we um, go. I don't, don't do that. that. <laughs> job, job swap for a week. The, the sad thing is, because it's only generally like people, it's only people with housekeepers who have enough money to um, get to the Supreme Court over uh, a divorce. So that's why I guess like the cases are all about, you know, people. beratement in front of housekeepers. Um, Could you, you call suggesting your there's a direct link between housekeepers and divorce? <laughs> <laughs> Could that you call be. your butler as a witness? <laughs> yeah, or sure your chauffeur? Um, but no, seriously though, that's actually a great point, that what if you were in a relationship where that person said no and blocked you, and you didn't have the money, you'd be just married to them forever. It's, uh, that's a possibility, yeah. So, even now, in 2022, that's amazing. So, so how can we get this law changed? Um, well, I'm not too sure about that. I guess, I mean, you know, we could... Oh, it's changed. Oh, it's changed. Oh, the lawyer's piping back up again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have oh, to must slightly have now, then. Yeah. rejig this. So, okay, you need to repitch this I as do. this was a law. This was a law in 2019. So it's when did it change? Last coming week. in in a few weeks' time. <laughs> I've had last week. I've got coming in a few weeks' time. It's no wonder she didn't know. <laughs> Sabrina didn't know because it's literally changing as we speak. April. Yeah. Oh, it's not changed yet. Okay. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Who did it? Who was it a private member's bill or something? Who came through? The Tories surely, surely didn't change it. Did they? They never do it. And one of them must have wanted to get divorced because they never did anything. 
it must be though. It's probably oh, you know, it's Jacob Rees Mogg's brother wants to get divorced and what's his happened wife's there is a bloke on. has been humiliated in front of the housekeeper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see why this discussion group has taken off. It's really fun. Crikey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're so, changing the law as we speak. Oh, this is <laughs> phenomenal this conversation. News. I was completely appalled. Now, I think I fixed it. <laughs> Just with your outrage. This is fantastic. I'm loving this. I'm really loving this. I want to be part of this group. What How else has happened? Is there anything else being changed as we speak? So, any other laws that you would like to change that we could we'll lobby? Do it. Yes? <laughs> Uh, have you got one? No, I was okay. being silly. So. Oh. <laughs> uh, the, uh, is there, are there any other laws that you would like to do as a private member's bill or to lobby the government to change? Ooh. Yes. <laughs> I think, I don't know how it's here because I'm not British or English. So I actually don't know, maybe it's changed already. But I think maternity leave or parental leave should be mandatorily divided between men and women. Oh, yes, yes. Now, Nicole, you're from the Czech Republic, but yeah, you me. are also at university in Helsinki. Yes, and I live in Denmark. You live in Denmark? <laughs> but you, you go to Jurisprudence Club here. You're one of the Jurisprudence Adventures. I also do research in Oxford. So oh. I, live, I live in Oxford. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, you're a mysterious character. Um, <laughs> Thank you. And I think that was a compliment. Yeah, you should. Uh, I'm wearing a cape. I would not tell anyone they're a mysterious character and not, not be a compliment. Um, so, Nicole, in Scandinavia, in some parts of Scandinavia, we should say, uh, that is the case. You get, say, for example, there's two years on offer, but unless the parents split it between them, it doesn't happen at all. Uh, you, you can only take the bit that's yours, and so, of course, encourages often men to bond with their child and, allow, and also gives them permission a societal permission, because I know loads of men who would love to do that, but this society doesn't give the permission, even if you technically can, it's sort of not... You, we, to change things, you really have to kind of force the issue sometimes. You have to say, this is the way it is now, uh, otherwise people won't. Is that something that we should be lobbying for here? I think so. Uh, unless you have it already, as we speak. We definitely don't have that. Good. No, no, no. Um, have you fixed that yet? <laughs> <laughs> Anyone in the audience got any updates? Because we, we, the lawyers from Oxford, wouldn't know. You do get shared parental leave. Oh, my God, we are amazing. We get shared parental leave, but it's not that situation, is it? It's not if you don't take it. It's not. It's not. No, unpaid. Yeah. It's unpaid. Yeah, unpaid isn't useful to most people who need jobs. If, listen, if you've got a housekeeper, take all the unpaid leave you like. But if not, then, yeah, it's tricky. So, uh, philosophically, is that something you... Can we just do a little circle here? So, say we, Sarah and I come along to the jurisprudence discussion group. We're in Oxford. We say, well, should we pop along to the group? Yes. Let's, let's have a discussion about jurisprudence. <laughs> Up we come. Now, it's obviously mostly great legal minds, academics, lawyers from Oxford. I think uh, it's entirely great legal minds. Yes, it's true. And then we come into the room. Could you... No, I think we're in the room. Yeah, oh, sure, sure. entirely great legal minds. Yes, yes. So could we have a go at it? Who would... How would you start? We just want to do a mock-up. Right, about this topic. Mm. Oh, about anything you want. <clears throat> yeah, sure. No, so, so yeah, we can talk about this. Um, so you said two years. I think that's quite generous for the Western European standard. Um, but, so for instance, Iceland has introduced this mandatory um, share of maternity-paternity leave already like 15 years ago, which is great. 
And so if you, if you take half a year as a woman and your husband or partner or um, whomever doesn't take the next half year, then you lose the money from the state. Yes. Now the, the kind of cardinal objection to this is that a lot of families cannot afford the man to take the paternity leave because he generally earns more than the woman. So it would not pay off for them. They would not be able to sustain themselves. I can, I can see a way of fixing that. Yeah. What if we paid men and women the same? <laughs> Interesting. If you're listening at home, Sarah is pointing at the resident lawyer who actually works in the industry. Do you have anything to say? Sorry, we should know your name. You're just, at the moment, you're like a superhero in the dark. Okay, so what we're hearing, what we're hearing... Sorry, what was your... What's your what's, bring the mood down. No. <laughs> what's your name? You can call T. me T. She is a super... She is a superhero. The way she said you can call me T sounds to me like... That, it, her name is not T. Bruce Wayne. <laughs> It's a Bruce Wayne situation. Yeah. Okay, so T has just said the European Union is bringing in the Equal Pay Act, but there's surely we already have an Equal Pay Act. We don't. But we're not in the European Union anymore, so we don't get anything. We just get, get what you're given. So are we going to have to refight for an equal pay lobby? But I think you guys probably have prohibition of discrimination on the basis of gender, which could apply to this. I would bet you have that. Yeah. We do. Yeah. Yeah. We have the Equalities Good. Act. Where are we? <laughs> so we have it, but, but it's not in, in practice it doesn't seem to happen. Men are all the time paid more than women for the same job. All the time, all the time, all the time. And I know it because I know with my friends that happens, you know, they work in, in jobs that, you know, where you kind of go up the chain. And because women are offered less at the beginning, every time they negotiate a pay rise, they're always behind the eight ball. And also women are told, oh, you don't negotiate pay rises. And actually there's evidence that we do, but we're just not given it uh, because we're not taken seriously when we ask for it. But then there's also a culture of, of not being allowed to discuss your pay at work. Yes. So you have to hide it from Absolutely. everybody else like a filthy little secret. <laughs> <laughs> and then you look around and you're like, the only reason that I would not be able to talk to anybody about this is if I'm being paid significantly less than everybody else. Mm. <laughs> okay, well, I guess I just won't ask. <laughs> and then people don't want to give it away because they're the ones being asked more. So I feel we're doing too much of the discussion. You, you've, you're in this group. I don't know what... Will you say things? <laughs> <laughs> No, well, I guess um, talking about the... the uh, that just kind of reminded me of, like, a newspaper article I read a few years ago where it said, like, the top five rudest questions you could ever ask somebody, and one of them was about your, about your salary in, in the workplace to your colleagues. And, it, and I did just sit there thinking, why? What, what's so rude about that? Um, but, yeah, there's a, I guess there's a culture um, against sort of asking those sorts of questions. Um, and it probably like stop, I think it stops so workers from yeah. having um, any kind of sort of solidarity, and it sort of you know causes workers to faction and you know look out for themselves in the workplace and stuff like that, which is um, like very contrary to what I see to be a feminist ethic. Um, it's sort of unwritten rule of you never ask a woman about her age and a man why he's such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> 
to be able to ask. So, so, so how does the law in this situation, what, what would you be discussing? What do you, what do you get to in order to talk about, do you talk about the origin of the law, why it's this way? I think a lot of the time we, we kind of discuss different feminist theories and how, you know, how that would apply to these laws, what we, yeah, what we would envision for a future. And we often debate amongst ourselves as well. We don't all agree with each other. Oh, can you, you know. give us an, an, an insight into a disagreement that you've had, a feminist disagreement? I mean... Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, I guess we'll probably go for the care one then, I guess. Yeah, it's uh, explosive. But... <laughs> <laughs> we want this. This is what we want. No, this was okay. between Nicole and Sabrina, actually. Oh, wait, uh, let's restate it. Months ago. <laughs> yeah, in yeah. the red corner. <laughs> Do you want to pitch it? Okay, um, so, so there's, there's a theory, um, a feminist theory called an ethic of care. Um, and it basically suggests that... Um, in, when in, in a legal context, it suggests that laws um, should be geared towards, um, I guess, protecting and promoting everybody being in caring relationships and making caring relationships the most important thing that laws should kind of be, um, yeah, facilitating. So rather than kind of, um, I guess, um, I don't know, more economic um, Goals that law should that you might see law to prioritize now, it requires a kind of cultural shift in thinking in the law, um, where laws are structured so as to make sure that um, people are sufficiently kind of embedded in caring relationships. Um, and how do you violently disagree with this, Nicole? <laughs> <laughs> so rather than going for the concept of autonomy, this theory goes for the concept of caring relationships between each other. So, and the problem with that is that it has gendered origin. And the big debate is, because when it was kind of elaborated for the first time, it was like, autonomy is a male concept and caring relations are female concept. And then it evolved since then, but I think the gendered origin kind of hampers the possibility of this theory to reach any interesting level of emancipation. Oh. So sometimes you're looking at the origin of the laws, and because nearly all of our laws were written by and for men, and it's actually, we've only been... Capitalist men. Capitalist men. Indeed. Indeed, there's that word again. Oh in law, you never say yes, you Can say have to indeed. look that one up. Yeah, no, that's me embracing the British uh, gentlewomanship. Gentlewomanship? Oh, I need you to come home with me, Nicole. There's something about you. That would be a gentlewomanship, wouldn't it? <laughs> Gentlewomanship. Can we do a new podcast, a spin-off called Gentlewomanship? In which you just explain jurisprudence to me and I just sit there going, oh. <laughs> yes, tell me more. I do find it very enticing. Yeah. I can tell. <laughs> I don't mean it like that. I'm not, I'm not trying to sexually harass Nicole on the stage. Oh my God. This is a legal nightmare. No, no. I genuinely yeah, am very... If you very... want to sexually harass any of your guests, don't do it to the lawyer. <laughs> I'm not doing it to anybody. Oh God! Fire there, oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! I'm flustered now. I, I no, I genuinely am fascinated by this. So there, I, because I, I want to live in a world where there's more disagreement. I'm worried about how much convergent thinking there is now. And I think because we get on Twitter, it's 280 characters. There's no nuance, and somebody says something, and everyone passes on and goes, "That's what you meant." 
And often what I find on Twitter is people come for you with the least generous interpretation of what you could possibly have meant. And then they make you feel very bad and you have to retreat and you go away. And then no discussion can happen. So I think we need to be getting in rooms and solving these problems more. I, I was going to say, well, so first of all, two things. Um, just the first thing about kind of what you say on Twitter, it's just quite funny because I've just kind of been thinking for the last five minutes about like the, the way I um, spoke, maybe may, implying that I might have a housekeeper and that I'm kind of completely out of touch and talking about having a housekeeper and that's going to be aired. So it's just quite funny because that's kind of just come up in my head Oh, now. I see. Um, <laughs> Sounds like you've got a housekeeper. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone um, thought that. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with me, there's anyone having a housekeeper. But Actually, no. living at college... In Oxford University, you do have housekeepers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you have scouts, yes. Yeah. The scout yeah. comes and cleans up after yeah, you. What? Yeah, you do. But, but the, the other we thing was... We need to focus um, on our research. The, the, the you need to focus on the research so you have housekeepers. What, but you, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> are they clean? They clean? What do they clean? Oh, the kitchen and the bathroom. The kitchen and the bathroom. Oh my fucking god. Uh, so I, I was gonna say I, I really disagree to some extent with the idea of kind of we'll get the men to do the work, for example, because they just won't. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, I, mean, I want that to be the long term plan, but I'm worried about when they say bring up boys differently, but I'm not the five year olds I'm frightened of yet. I, I will be frightened of them one day, but not frightened of them now. I think women I think, you know, as women we, we, we should do things like I guess what you know, create groups, create networks, create discussions, have chats, sort of make friends with, with, with other women and talk about these kinds of issues. And then hopefully that will lead to... I also want to talk to the men as well. <laughs> but I think we need I to know. speak to women... I think we need to sort of build our own kind of solidarity kind of networks. And I think we kind of need to be a bit more... We, we could be a bit DI, we've got to do things because otherwise they're not going to happen. So, for example, we set up this group because um, there's, you know we both do this, did the same master's course and I, I did it two years ago and in jurisprudence there wasn't a single class that even sort of mentioned feminist jurisprudence and feminist jurisprudence really isn't fringe or new it's a very kind of established thing to study in jurisprudence and Oxford is supposed to be the kind of you know hub of jurisprudence in the world but there's no there was in, in the master's course two years ago there wasn't a single mention of feminism so if we didn't just kind of you know, make our own group where we discuss these kind of issues, Oxford would still be a place where there was very little kind of feminist discussion in the law faculty. So I think sometimes it's kind of, it's, if, if we can, we should. I absolutely agree that in the interim measure, like in the short to medium term, mm. let's start doing things ourselves to change things. But it does bother me that men come to Oxford to learn the law and no one's teaching them feminist mm. jurisprudence. Yeah. I don't want women to have to go off into a ghetto in a room above a pub because it's not being funded properly. Mm. I want establishments to say this is a problem and this is important and we've got to prioritise it. And not just when Jacob Reeves, Mark's brother-in-law, you know, <laughs> has a has a problem that then a law gets passed. Um, and that is how this, gov this, this government, government works. I'm sorry, it is. If you look at them all, it's like, oh, Matt Hancock's brother got this, or, you know, Rishi Sunak's wife got that, or whatever. It is. It's really, really rotten. So, look, I don't know what the answer is to this, but that's why I want to have a forum on it. Should we riot right now? <laughs> I feel with this room, actually, something good would happen. I really do. So, um, I'm really excited. We've got to get off the stage, because we've got to bring on uh, Grace Petrie. Can I just ask, is there anything you came to say that you didn't get to say? Just that our discussion group is open to everyone. It's not, Tina. you know, <laughs> it, needs it shouldn't you. just be 
you know, just the gowns in Oxford, I think we want it to be some, an outreach around the whole country. Have you met Catherine? She's excellent. <laughs> she took come the to law into her own hands to, today. Yeah. She should come and speak to you about taking the law into your own hands and making it work for you. you can we need more of that. Door, sure. <laughs> you want Catherine on the door, my friends. We know each other, actually. Yeah, what was that? We know each other. Do you? Yeah. Uh, it's Oxford, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> everyone knows uh, is, there, is there some way that we can uh, uh, get in touch with uh, the Law Department at Oxford or sign something that says, can you change your curriculum to include feminist jurisprudence? This from, this, this, from a, this from a person who didn't know what jurisprudence Not was. Not just a nice ass, am I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm you, so sorry. <laughs> I have to undermine it every time. You can't rub yourself, and I love it. Oh, uh, Sabrina, anything you would like to say? Oh, oh no, they didn't answer my question. Oh, sorry. I, under, I, I the thought answer. they said yes. We, yes, please. Yes. Um, so I guess um, you could probably get, get, get in contact with our group and, um, you know, join us in sort of suggesting things that we should be suggesting to the university. How do we um, do that? Where do we find you? Or um, write something radical on Twitter along these lines and tag us. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Okay. okay, great. All right, so we'll so put you all want this in the show notes. Not we'll... just a nicer ass on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that'll work. We'll put, we'll put your definition of jurisprudence on Twitter and mm. we'll watch it all go off. Uh, what, what, can we put this in the show notes? But is there any way anyone in the audience today can contact you? Yes, we have a website. What's it called? Uh, Oxford Feminist Jurisprudence. Put it on Google. It's probably going to be the first thing. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon. <laughs> it's much more than us, so yes. And then uh, write us an email or actually our events are being published on the website. So you also, can just throw Facebook. It. We're on Facebook. Great. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> all right. Well, listen, I think I've learned a lot about rethinking the law so it works for us, but also really examining it and checking, is this something that's just been built a long time ago for someone else and just tweaked and modified whenever a cabinet minister had an issue? And uh, the main thing I've learned is uh, uh, make sure that my housekeeper is keeping a note of everything that happens between me and Tom Selinsky. It's been absolutely wonderful to have you. Could I have a huge round of applause for Lara Ibrahim, <laughs> Sabrina Gold, and Nicole Stimulaga. So anything like that. I have to do the last name again because I've got it wrong. Nicole Stimulaga. She told me, she said, you made it a nice English twist, but she said it's better than doing it Russian. Um, that's what she said to me. Russian, not anything else. Okay. Russian. Nicole Is that anything like it? Stevranova. Okay. Nicole Stevranova. Uh, get involved in jurisprudence uh, look these guys up and uh, rethink how we approach the law it's been absolutely wonderful to have you uh, are you ready uh, for your final act <laughs> then please welcome to the stage to close the show and bring the house down the incredible Grace Petrie <laughs> Close the show and bring the house down. Gosh, I'll do my best. It's lovely to be doing these gigs again in the flesh. Uh, but when I, sta I stand there in the wings, 
and I listen to these discussions with these incredible people, and I think, I don't know fucking anything <laughs> about anything. So, oh, I had a clap for that. So supportive, thank you. Just confirmation there from Oxford, goodness me. Um, so I thought I'd do you a song about imposter syndrome. <laughs> Is anybody with me? Great stuff. Ah, lovely bit of stuff, eh? Taking auditions for my duo partner, so... So this is a song about... So I'm a protest singer, right? Um, uh, don't worry, I'm a left-wing one. Um, uh, <laughs> can you imagine? Um, <laughs> imagine a right-wing protest singer. We've won everything! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yet we're still so angry about trans people. Um, uh, no, I'm a left-wing protest singer, and, uh, and uh, I started writing protest songs uh, when the toys got in in 2010, and I realised quite quickly that what that means is that people... You go out and you say you're a protest singer, and people often mistake that for me saying, I know a lot about politics. <laughs> I don't know fucking anything about politics. I'm just quite cross. Um, so this is a song about that. It's called Nobody Knows That I'm a Fraud. And it's a true story. <laughs> I don't watch PMQs as often as you might expect. I only live tweet question time for comedic effect. And I've never read Virginia Woolf or any Bertolt Brecht. And nobody knows that I'm a fraud. It's often been alleged that I'm as hard left as can be. But my idea of edgy is an unknown brand of tea. And I'm not even veggie, let alone dairy-free Nobody knows that I'm a fraud But I'll get up underneath the lights until I feel adored And I'll never tell you anything I think you won't applaud Oh, it might not always be the truth But it'll have three chords Nobody knows that I'm a fraud Nobody knows that I'm a fraud Well, dressing how I do, I find I often get mistook By people who confuse me for someone who reads comic books <laughs> But I just like Batman shirts, I've never read a comic book Nobody knows that I'm a fraud When people call me a musician, it makes my palms perspire I took grade one piano and I never got no higher and if I didn't have this capo, then you'd all see I'm a liar. Nobody knows that I'm a fraud. But I'll get up underneath the lights until I feel adored. And I'll never tell you anything I think you won't applaud. Oh, it might not always be the truth, but it'll have three chords. Nobody knows that I'm a fraud. Nobody knows that I'm a fraud. And some days I get so scared that we're losing. I 
But some days I'm just so sure we'll never win And some days I get so knackered from refusing To let that in, to let that in Whoa Well some days life feels like a play that you have not rehearsed but one thing's true of all of us sharing this universe Is we could all be doing better And we could all be doing worse And everyone you know feels like a fool Come on and get up underneath the lights Until you feel adored But never tell them anything You think they won't applaud Oh, it might not always be the truth But it'll have three chords Nobody knows that I'm a fraud Oh, it might not always be the truth But it'll have three chords And I guess I'll take up comedy When I run out of chords Cos nobody knows that I'm a fraud Thank you so much time is it thanks Stuart so are you flashing me because you want me to get off flashing with the light just to be clear <laughs> would you like me to get off uh, we've got one minute okay, okay. So we pick closing statement the guilty feminist is provided exclusively from Acast find it wherever you get your podcasts Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.